0: Brother Terry. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Isaiah 58, the book of Isaiah. One verse there I'd like for us to focus on, Isaiah 58. We'll look at some other scripture a little later, but this would be our starting point this morning, Isaiah 58. And I'd like for us to look at verse 11. And I'd like to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, Is Jesus Satisfied with Me? Is Jesus satisfied with Me? Isaiah 58, verse 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. One of my favorite hymns, Terry let us in just a few minutes ago, is Satisfied with Jesus. It's written by B.B. McKinney. It's one of the first hymns that I ever memorized. The hymn is based on this passage, Isaiah 58. Verse 11, the A part of that verse. And it reminds us, that hymn reminds us of the complete satisfaction that a person can find in Christ Jesus. The NIV translation says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your need. The King James says, He will satisfy your soul. The word soul, the Hebrew word there for soul is nephesh which means a total being, he will satisfy your total being. The the SV uses the word, he'll satisfy your desires. Webster, in the collegiate dictionary, defines the word satisfy as to fulfill the desire, expectation, or the demands of a person. To fulfill the desire, expectation, or demands of a person. And so the song, Satisfied with Jesus, the hymn writer states that he has completely satisfied. He is completely satisfied with Jesus because Jesus has suffered to redeem him. Jesus died to set him free. With me, he's with me in my trials. He said he's the best friend of all, is he? I can always count on Jesus. I'm satisfied with Jesus. In other words, Jesus has met all of my expectations, my desires. But the question comes to me as I think of Calvary. Is my master satisfied with me? Is Jesus satisfied with me? Is my master satisfied with me? Have I met all his expectations? Have I met all of his desires? So this morning when I heard that hymn, God brought to my mind the areas of my Christian life in which he is not satisfied. And I feel with all my heart that the Holy Spirit works no differently in my life as a Christian as in your life. If the Holy Spirit convicts of sin in my life, then the Holy Spirit convicts of sin in your life. And so my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit will convict us of the neglected Christian disciplines in our lives in which God is not satisfied. In other words, the areas that we have not met his expectations, his desires, or his demands. And then I also pray this morning that after God convicts us that he's not satisfied in certain areas of our Christian lives, that we would repent and return and not harden our heart and rebel against God. That we would really be transparent and honest with God and ourselves after God convicts us that there's some areas we need to deal with this morning. Because I really believe that revival, although a date is not scheduled and we don't have a visiting evangelist coming in, but I really believe that a revival could break out this morning if God's people would just be transparent and honest with God and honest with themselves. That could happen. First of all, I've jotted down about three that we need to consider this morning, areas. First, is God satisfied with your relationship with Him? Is God satisfied with your relationship with Him? Now, with that I mean, have you met His demands in establishing that relationship? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Do you know Him? Do you know, not know about Him intellectually, but do you know Him intimately? Have you asked Christ to forgive you and have you turned from your sin, repented of your sins, ask Him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and save you, save you? Have you placed your faith and trust in Him? Jesus uses the word believeth and believed in in John 3. He says, "...whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish." but have everlasting life. Verse 16. But then he says in verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So have you believed in Christ? Have you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Have you trusted him and him only for your salvation? Have you trusted him as being the only way to God? John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. So the question is today, is God satisfied with you in regards to your salvation or is he not satisfied? Satisfied, not satisfied. Secondly, I jotted down, is God satisfied with your worship? Worship. First of all, do you participate in corporate worship? Corporate worship, where we come together. Is he satisfied with your participation? Is he satisfied when you get here, what you do after you get here? Is he satisfied with your worship? First of all, are you faithful to attend God's house? You say, well, yes, I believe I am. Well, let me just put it this way. Is God satisfied with your attendance? Now you may be satisfied with it, but is God satisfied with your attendance? According to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, he says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now this is for all of us, not just a few, not half on Sunday night, those that come back. It's for everybody. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now the context of Hebrews 10, 25, the church was going through persecution. And some of the people were afraid to go to the house of worship. And so they started missing because of persecution. It was dangerous to go to church Paul says, listen, y'all need to come on. God will take care of you. Things are going to be all right because we need to meet together the more as we see the day approaching. Jesus is coming soon and so we need to meet as often as we can. Now keep in mind, they weren't laying out of church because of vacation. Or they weren't laying out of church because of national holidays or their chores around the house to do or they just didn't have time to change clothes when they came in from work. They weren't missing church because they were just Sunday morning churchgoers, or they were claustrophobic and the ceiling was too low in the mobile home. Or it was a double wide and it's just not that appealing to go to. That's not why they were missing church. And so the question is, is God satisfied with your attendance and worship? Satisfied. Is God satisfied in your attendance? That brings on, is God satisfied in your participation? In corporate worship? Singing? You see, music is... Really important to God. Music is so important to God that He included in His Word 150 songs in the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 150, the last one. Psalm 150, the title in my. King James Bible here says, praise God's almighty acts. This is how important singing is and praise is. Praise ye the Lord, praise God, verse 1, in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpets and praise him with with the... with the sastry and and with the harp and praise him with with the timbrel and dance and praise him with stringed instruments and organs and praise him upon loud cymbals and praise him with high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So what about your participation in worship? Are you you participating in corporate worship? Are you happy to be at church on Sunday morning or Sunday evening? Do you look forward in coming? Is God satisfied with your participation? Is he satisfied with your attitude when you get here? The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So is God satisfied with your participation, with your attendance, your participation? Secondly, do you worship in your giving? Do you tithe? Look at Malachi chapter 3. Last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. Look, if you will, at verse... Look at verse 7. Malachi chapter 3 verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers you're gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? You've gone away. You've turned away from me. They said, well, how can we... Well, you know, How are we turned away? Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Then he says this, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, notice, Herewith saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Do you tithe? You know, the Bible says that if you don't, that you rob and guide. Now, My mother and father taught me to tithe when I was a little child. Matter of fact, some of you may remember the primary class, the beginner's class, and the intermediate's class. And I remember being in the primary. That's preschool. And I can remember before going to church, my mother and daddy would come and they would give me my offering to give during Sunday school. And I remember dad teaching me about tithing and why I should tithe and when I should start and when I had a job and how cutting grass. I was sharing with somebody uh, today, Ryan, about cutting grass and, and the, the largest yard I had it took about an hour and a half, two hours to cut it and I got five bucks. Fifty cents went to the Lord. Dad taught me, hey, make sure you tithe. Don't forget to tithe. We taught our children to tithe. Started way back there. Judy and I married in 1971. We had a commitment to tithe service at our church on a Sunday morning. We'd just moved to Nashville. We were about as broke as you could be. And we'd just gotten married, been married about a year, and to be honest with you, we'd not tithe. That year. And so during the invitation, the pastor, Dr. Hyatt, asked for those who would be willing to make a commitment to try the tithe. And I looked at her and I said, I'm going to try that. Got paid once a month on the 15th of every month. And we had, I think, $170 in the bank, something like that. We not gonna get paid for another month. And we wrote a check, for seventeen dollars. And the next week, my supervisor came, and I was—I took this store and, contract. was on a bonus set up. and my bonus wasn't due. I'd got there right after the year's end, and I was gonna to have to be there a year for, for even try before I even had a bonus. And he asked me. He said. Uh, I need to come by and talk with you. And I said, okay. He came by and he said, I brought your bonus to you. I said, I don't have a bonus. I've only been here, I think, like two months. He said, well, they think you have a bonus. And he handed me a check for $1,700 and something dollars. Sure did, and a week later. I mean, just, just, just about to the penny of what we wrote. I'm telling you. And from that time on, we've tithed. Now, if you want to know what I give, I can't honestly tell you what I give because I try to give my offering and it's above my tithe. We talked about North American mission giving last week. I tried to let my tithe, the amount I give in my tithe, be the starting point for my mission offering. I'm not asking you to do anything. God's not asking you to do anything. He's not asking me to do. Would you think it'd be right for the preacher to tithe? If I got up here and said, I don't believe in tithe, now I wouldn't dare do that because I do. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I can't afford to. Let me tell you what, you can't afford not to. You say, I'm on a fixed income. Do you know why it's fixed? Do you know why you're struggling financially? It's not about the amount that's important, but it's the obedience in your heart that's important. For the Bible says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Look at Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 41. Jesus set over against the treasure and beheld how the people cast money into the treasure. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which made a fathering. Mark chapter 12, verse 42. Verse 43. He called unto him his disciples, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast in more, or cast more in, than all that which have cast into the treasure. For all they did cast in of their abundance But she of her want did cast in all that she had. Even all her living. Is God satisfied with your giving? Do you see your giving as an act of worship? Or just an opportunity to throw something in when a plate comes by? Or is it a matter of worship to you? Have you met his expectations, his demands, his desire? So is God satisfied with your relationship? Do you, have, do you have one? Have you been saved? Is God satisfied with your worship to him, corporate worship and attendance and, and singing and your giving? And third, and I'll close with this, is God satisfied with your witness of him? Simply put, are you sharing the gospel? Are you witnessing? Are you sharing a testimony? Are you using a, a witness bracelet? I wear this little witness bracelet, and from time to time, I have an opportunity just to share the bracelet, just the arrows and what they mean. Are you witnessing? Are you using a faith acrostic? Sharing a, pub, a personal testimony? Matthew chapter 28, a very familiar passage. Just listen. Go ye therefore, verse 19, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Let me ask you, are you inviting lost people to church on Sunday morning? Are you inviting the lost This week I was reading the spring issue of Facts and Trends magazine, which is published for pastors through the Lifeway. And they gave the following statistic. Listen to this. Eighty-two percent of unchurched are likely to attend church if a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, a family member invites them. Eighty-two percent. Here's the point. Eight out of ten would come to church if they're invited. Eight out of ten people would come to church if they're invited. Now, I'm excited about what's happening in our, in our church right now through evangelism. I really am. We have a group going to Nicaragua. I think we have, I think, 15 going to Nicaragua. We've got one, Jamie Dore, is going to Guatemala with Pleasant Hill Congregational Church. Now, with all that going on, there's going to be someone, there are going to be some people who criticize and will disagree with the Lord's Great Commission. They're going to disagree with the Lord's Great Commission about reaching the outside of our state or our country with the gospel. They always do. And if you're in that group, let me just ask you. Is God satisfied with your evangelistic zeal and participation? Is He satisfied with yours? Now, we got 15 going to Nicaragua. We got one going to Guatemala. Outside the country, a lot of other things happen inside the country. Mission trip, you signed up for the Ohio, uh, you signed up for the Waterloo mission trip, the Memphis mission trip. A lot of things going on in the country. Signed up for any of that? Last week we had an opportunity to to help our North American missionaries, and we gave an average of two gallon of gas. Seven bucks a person. Do you think God's satisfied with that? Some will say, well, I think missions should start at home, Brother Sammy. Well, who did you invite today? Would you please stand and introduce your guest? Tough, isn't it? 43% of Americans, 135 million, are unchurched. And 8 out of 10 say that they will go to church if somebody invites them. Now get this, 110 million would attend if they're invited. The point is, if they're invited, they'll come. So are we inviting non-Christians to church? The answer is no. Now the critics of evangelism, world evangelism, really are no more concerned about local evangelism as they are world evangelism. Because only 2% of church members invite people to church. That's staggering. So out of 150 people today, three of us will invite someone to church. 200 here, four of us will invite someone to church. That's unchurched. Is God satisfied with my witness of him? Is God satisfied with my relationship? Is God satisfied with my worship? Is God satisfied with my witness? Those are just three areas that God placed on my heart this morning at 3 o'clock to share. Now there are others. And my closing prayer is this. The last verse of that song. When my work on earth is ended and I cross the mystic sea oh that I could hear him saying I am satisfied with thee. I am satisfied. I am satisfied. I am satisfied with Jesus. But the question comes to me as I think of Calvary is my master satisfied with me now this morning how has the Holy Spirit dealt with your heart first of all this morning do you have a relationship have you been saved can you say Jesus is satisfied with my relationship I'm a born again believer I've I've trusted Christ. I have that intimate relationship with Him. Can you say that? This morning, if God's convicted you that He's not satisfied in whatever area, would you be willing to repent of that and to not rebel against it? Maybe you need a relationship with Him. Maybe you need to be personally involved, more involved in attendance or, or, or singing or, or, or giving. Maybe you need to, to witness more. Maybe you just need to invite people. Just wonder if we set a goal, each one of us, me included. What if we just set a goal, listen, I'm going to invite five people to church Sunday, unchurched. Not going out here and getting someone from First Baptist or Mount Hebron or Bethel or something like that. We're not talking about swapping sheep. We're talking about inviting lost people. Just think, if each one of us would invite five, what it be like next Sunday if eight out of ten come? Now listen, I know it's a hard sermon. It's hard for me. It's more at 3 o'clock. It's hard for us. But we need to get serious with our relationship with the Lord. Personally, than as a church. Let's bow our heads for prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had, Lord, to just think about been satisfied. Lord, there's There's no question we're satisfied with you. Lord, you came to redeem us. You came to set us free. You came to forgive us of our sins, to save us from this place called hell. You're there with us every step of the way here on this earth. And when we leave this earth, you you take us directly into your presence. We're satisfied. God, you bless us. You help us. You give us the next breath of air. We're satisfied with you. That's not the question. But we wonder today and we ask, And the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and lets us know. Let's know that there's some areas, Lord, that you're not satisfied with us. And so help us, Father, we pray, not to resist, not to rebel, but to return and be what you've called us to be. In order that other people may be led to you through our witness, through our testimony, through through our life style. Through our, through our belief, our biblical belief. Father, I pray, Lord, for every person. Help us, Lord, we pray, to be serious with you. This morning, early this morning, you changed the sermon. Woke me up with that song in my mind. And now, Lord, I've shared the message. And I know your word will not return void. And so I pray your Holy Spirit will do what he's to do. May we be obedient in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to lead us in hymn number 283. If you will, go ahead and find that number. This morning, whatever God's leading you to do, come and say, Brother Samuel, I want to be saved. After everyone leaves, I'll be able to share with you and we'll take as much time as we need. This morning, you may want to come and say, I need to, I want to move my membership. I feel like this is where God wants me to serve. God satisfied. That's another area I didn't even touch on. That satisfied with your service, you come. Whatever you come, rededication, just come and pray. I, I don't. Whatever God.